What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. This is KGB. What up, it's DJ EFN. Yo, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to the Fatherhoods Podcast. <laughs> far too kind, audience. Far too kind. So we're switching, <laughs> we're switching it up a little bit today, and uh, we, we have a guest, and he's joining us for the full duration. So with us today, we have an internationally known designer, graffiti artist, street artist, uh, and proud father, welcome Adam Fu to the Fatherhoods Podcast. Yo, 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 yo. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Yo, no, sorry, the studio audience is, is asleep. They, they're there asleep. It is. All right, I'll, I'll add in some on the final edit as well. That's <laughs> <laughs> to say that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> let out our secrets. <laughs> What's up, Adam, man? Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I'm hyped to be here. Um, I like the podcast, so I was happy to be asked to be on. Oh, thanks, man. Are you um so so real quick just to get into your family dynamic? Uh, you have two kids, right? Yep, I have a, a five-year-old and a one and a half-year-old. Two girls. Two girls. All right, and you are currently on paternity leave. <laughs> You know, okay, so this is not, I'm not being paid, but <laughs> I, I never, like, when we first had, well, when we first had the first baby, I was in grad school, so there was no, there was no way for me to stop doing anything. But this second baby, it was just like, you know, she was born in July, it was busy, and so there was no way I was taking time off in the summer. So then my wife said, like, when we got past the new year, she was like, you should take a paternity leave now. So yeah, so I'm like these, these, the first, whatever we're in here, first week of the year, I haven't done any work other than family work, dad, dad jobs. And uh, most of this week will be the same. I'm just going to be kind of chilling with my kids as much as possible. That's dope. So you, so EFN has, uh, how old is your daughter currently? She is 19 months and so then about a year and a half. And he's yeah. got, and he's got another baby on the way. So he's currently on baby watch right now. Oh, wow. Oh. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Spe- speaking what? of baby watch, what, what's the latest E you want to fill us in? Um, what is the latest? Uh, this, this has been a different experience than the first one for sure. In what way? In terms of, in terms of the pregnancy. I don't know. It's, I feel almost like, like she's not pregnant. <laughs> versus the first time where it was like oh shit y'all. like you're on fucking eggshells and shit like you know how they say the second one the third one whatever yeah. but i mean this was a little different uh with different doctors we were going to a birthing center before and we we're both going together now this time because we have our daughter it it didn't make we went in the beginning together to the doctor's visits but our daughter would while out in the 
in the waiting room and it it just didn't make sense so i would just be like yo you know you go and then i'll just you know i'll, I'll babysit and that's what we've been doing um but i'm going next week to to one of the we're gonna all go together but yeah it's been a little different this time around man i mean everything's good the the belly just popped out like a week or two ago so she's looking <laughs> pregnant now so visually she, she's pregnant but it, it hasn't felt the same way as last time did you find that to be true for your second adam oh my god totally i was just thinking like the exact same thing with how we were going down like just even other things like my wife would be like oh you know maybe i'll just have like a little beer that's exactly what my girl's doing now she's doing the same thing before she wouldn't even smell a beer and now she's like let me take a (laughs) yeah and like i think uh you know of course like with all the experience of the first one you're you're put at ease a little bit so so everything and then and then like i mean we were still on it you know throughout the whole pregnancy like we did everything we were supposed to with just like a little bit of like more tolerances but like then you know, we're noticing now how, like, having the second child in the house, like, she's seeing stuff that our first baby, like, we don't have a lot of screens in our home. Like, there's no TV in our home. We don't, like, I mean, we have computers and iPhones and, like, you know, our kid sees us on it, but we, we're we not on them a lot. And But now that we have a five-year-old, it's like we let her see a few things, you know, like she watches Sesame Street and a few other things on on the computer. And, like, but then, like, the little one is just, like, running up and watching it. And we're like, oh, damn. Like, we never let our first kid uh, see any screen until she was, like, three. And now this second one, just, it's like, you can't even help it. She's just around things like that. And so, like, and, like, also she's not getting, like, I mean, we read, we read way more books to our first kid in the first year than we did to our second one, unfortunately. You know? And it's just, like, I don't know. I think things just change. You, you get know? you get way more complacent and lax because you you know that first experience is so highly coveted that once it's done you're like oh you kind of look at it like all right it wasn't as crazy maybe we went a little bit overboard subconsciously and then you scale the shit back and that like uh-huh. when you talk about these screens like i you just said something and i'm like holy shit we have the same issue like i have 3 kids so it got progressively worse down the chain. And now my three, yeah. my three-year-old, she can't be without it. Like, she lives on this shit. Yeah, we failed over here, too, with the screen time and TV time, like, <laughs> completely. And then right now we're going through an issue where I was trying to get my daughter into Christmas. Because I, I don't know. I like I, I can't speak for everybody here, but I liked Christmas growing up. I liked the whole Santa Claus thing. So I was like, oh, let me put my daughter onto that. And I'm like, I showed her some videos on on uh, YouTube of Santa Claus. And I'll be like, look, ho, 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 Santa Claus. And now it's going to be Christmas all year now, I could tell, because she just runs up. She sees a, a computer screen. She's like, ho, 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 ho. And I think she wants, she, oh, wow. has to see, she has to see Santa Claus. That's just going to happen all year now. I don't yeah. know how we're going to take her away from it. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I hear there is going back. Like you said, like, there's like no going back once you've given them the screen time. But, yeah, it's got to be, it's a lot of work, you know? I mean, we work all the time just keeping her having no exposure to the screen, you know? Like, where yeah. we don't get as much time to ourselves because it's like, well, if you're not going to give a kid a device, then, yeah, you better be willing to sit there and color for the next hour, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, we've lost a lot of personal time because of no screens, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's paying off, we think. So are you are you one of those parents and I'll put myself in this bucket um, 
just given given your stance on screens and how you know damaging I, I'm assuming you guys believe they are, do you find yeah. yourselves also allowing the screens to take over so you find some personal time to like I don't know watch a flick or you know Netflix until not you know not the corrupted way but like the regular way or do yeah our- I mean. So you're saying like, do we allow ourselves screen time? Well, no, no. Well, yes, but also use the screen, the like the iPad. Throw them in like another room. Let the iPad kind of be the babysitter, so that you can get your hour to binge watch something. No, no, no. Nah, we've never done it. We've never done it. You know what we got on um, around three for our five year old was audiobooks. So we got her Bluetooth headphones and just like as many audiobooks as that kid would want to listen to. Um, I mean that we approve, you know, and our kid will just like listen to the same. She'll listen to like the frozen audio book just on like, it's like a three and a half hour audio book and she could listen to it back to back. It's like crazy. So that's one way that we've gotten our own time on screens, but also like, you know, once the kids go to bed, my wife and I tend to, you know, catch up on stuff. Yeah. But that was our trick in the daytime. If we ever needed like our thing, it's like audio books for the kids. Damn, I feel like a failure right now. Bro, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a sincere, I'm a sincere piece of shit, bro. Because I do, I do that. I like take the iPad, go the fuck over there, give us an hour and a half. Were you, were you allowed on um, when you were growing up, Adam? Were you allowed to watch TV? Yeah, and so I think I was like raised by the television. I had a single mom, two kids, and. We had, I mean, TV also, it was the eighties, you know, so they, we weren't, we weren't aware yet how damaging, right. you know, it could be. And, and I also think eighties television was a lot um, more tame, you know, it is, it was more tame than the internet, which is like fully damaging. But so, yeah, I watched so much TV um, that it's one of the reasons that like, as soon as I kind of became a, actually that's not true. I had, I had a TV in my life till I was 25. So now I've lived like, almost 20 years without a TV and it's been good. You know, it's been fine. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot of conversations that are happening with my peers because I don't watch TV, but like, I've always been like, Oh, fuck it. You know? Yeah. I'm out of the loop on game of Thrones, but like, I can talk about a lot of other topics, you know? Um, Wait a minute. So, so yeah, I think I had so much exposure that you, now I've cut it out. Are you really saying that you have not watched game of Thrones? Never seen an episode. That's all right. I'm right. I'm right there with you. I haven't. I've never seen an episode either. Yo, you're you're, yeah. you're my idol, bro. I don't. That's hard. Spoiler alert. It there's was. dragons. <laughs> there's dragons. <laughs> Although you know how it is. Like when something is so popular, and then you've missed the boat on like the first year or then two years. Like oh, there's like no way I could ever fuck with any yeah, Harry Potter kind of or it. any Game of Thrones or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think TV for me. I grew up same same way, single mom, and and so when my mom's working, and I'm home by myself. Just I, I just I remember even like we had a black and white TV, and the the it, it was broken. There was no there was no you couldn't see the the screen, but you could still hear the sound. Oh, and shit. I just and I just used to put that on. So it was a radio it. for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it, was no like, it was like a TV no radio, doubt. but it but it always made it feel like there was someone else in the house, like there was something. Right. That, something that was really what I used it for, because I never really felt yeah. like, oh man, I gotta I gotta see these shows. I you know uh, I'm glued to it. I just liked having the background noise. Yeah, make it feel yeah. like I mean, I, I think that's how a lot of people are now with TV. 
you know, you can just have like CNN like in the background. And, All day, you know. see it. <laughs> yeah, and it's very a lot of people do that. I do that whenever I'm at a hotel. Like when I go on projects, that's when I actually get to watch TV. It's like when I'm in hotels, and it's fucking. It kind of blows me away every time. You know, it's like it's like every other minute I feel like I'm in a commercial, and then it's just like when you're watching news, it's just like doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. You know, it's like it's pretty intense. I, you know, it's crazy. I, I kind of feel maybe guilty is the right word. Like when shit's going on around the world, right? Like for instance, I just, I found out late in the day through actual conversation, not some chat or fucking, you know, uh, Instagram feed. I actually was speaking Mm -hmm. to a buddy of mine. He told me that there was an earthquake in, in Puerto Rico. I, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known otherwise because of, I just I I gravitate away from news and television generally because mm-hmm. I there's so much negativity is being thrown at you right so like you, a human being can only take but so much but at the same time you're yeah. out of the, you're out of the loop so especially in these turbulent times like that's probably not the safest thing to do but at the same time I'm just like yo I can't constant I can't live my life if I'm always like worried about what I might be missing on the news yeah, and you can't because like there's so much happening, and the news cycle is so fast now. It's like it's impossible to keep up, you know. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a real shit show. Speaking of a shit show, we have a <laughs> we have a uh, a a listener who emailed a question. So we we do some we do some questions and, and answers here sometimes. And exactly. uh, yeah, that was good, right? Excellent. That was excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, you a podcast so also, pro right now, son? Eh, not really. <laughs> so, uh, also just for for any listeners, definitely feel free to DM the Fatherhoods uh, socials or send us emails fatherhoodspod publicly at gmail.com. Yeah, just we we, we like to answer. We don't. We uh, are not uh, knowledgeable by any means. We're just going off by you know our own vibe here. So, so this was an email, and it said recently. Megan the Stallion posted a New Year's pick with her, Beyonce, and Blue Ivy, who is Beyonce and Jay-Z's daughter. Um, apparently, there was two journalists. I think one was from Harper's, and I forget what the other media outlet was. Um, they left comments on the pick, basically clowning Blue Ivy. Clowning? Um, huh? Yeah, you know, just talking about, like... Um, that Jay Z's uh, facial genes are pretty strong, oh and God. talking about she might, she shit. might, she might have to get. Is she is she going to get plastic surgery when she's older, Whoa. like the rest of these celebrities do? You know that kind of stuff. Wow. Oh, so you know they're they're basically making fun of Blue Ivy, who's just seven year seven years old. Do you guys yeah. think when it comes to social media and comments that kids should be off limits? I mean. I think probably people, yeah, they should be, but obviously you, you can't, you know, the world is what it is. So it's really, once you expose or you put your kids on out in that platform, <clears throat> that world, then you get better expect that shit. I mean, you can't, yeah. that's what it, it is. It just is what it is. The world is, is run by trolls now, basically. Yeah, that's a fact. Adam, I think it's like tricky when. You're a celebrity because, like, I don't know if Jay Z and Beyonce like necessarily. I don't know how much they put Blue Ivy out there versus she was just forced to be out there, mm. right? 
Um, these people that have like dedicated accounts for their children, I feel like those people are open to more scrutiny, you know, but like, if you're just a child of a celebrity, that's rough, you know, that's rough because it's like, you're just there and you are not making any choices to be a celebrity child, you know, it's like, and like when that woman, uh, God, was it, I forget her name during the impeachment mentioned Barron. Trump, right? You know, yep. like Baron Trump got his name just got dropped in those in that testimony, and she wasn't even like really calling him out. And people like went, people lost their shit because it's like, oh, Baron Trump should be like exempt from ever being criticized, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I, it's kind of true, you know. Even though I feel like if your name is a Trump, like you're just you just will get criticized now for the rest of your life. I hope they will. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky when you're just a son or a daughter of a famous person. I feel like, you know, just moving away from the kid in this particular case and just looking at it from, you know, in particular you, Adam, like when I was Googling around, I don't think I came across one image of your face or really understand what you look like. I assume that's intentional. Is that the graffiti side of you? For sure. I mean, that, that like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to be more like transparent and, and let people in more. But like I had 20 years of like hiding, right. you know, at, when I was doing illegal graffiti and then all of a sudden you're, I was just kind of thrust into a place on Instagram that now is like, they're even kind of, you know, people kind of demand a little more transparency. Right. And, and I also know that like, you know, accounts that are really like really, really crushing and really trending. Like there's a lot of transparency and then you let people in and people can have an experience, you know? So I, and actually, I mean, I, there's, I don't know how many, how much you were researching it, but I do have a lot of images of me out there. Um, but but I will say that like, I, I almost never would post my children's faces on my account. Um, it's happened a couple of times, but like, I really, like we have been, along with being kind of, we're probably in the extreme end of no screens, like from our, like our circle of friends, like we're definitely on the extreme end. And we've also been like on the extreme end of that, of like telling aunts and uncles to like stop sharing so many images of our kids and in like maybe compromising moments or things that are like too personal, Personal, you know? Um, yeah, because these children, they're not making any choice. Like my sister, I mean, I love her, but she just wants to put my daughter on snap every time they're around each other. And we had to just basically cut it to where they can still use the filters and they save a lot of videos and she'll share the funny videos. But like I had to ask her to just stop putting her on snap all the time and on her story and adding me all over the place. Cause like, I just, I want my children to have that privacy, you know, until they can make their own choice on it. You know, when my daughter is, I don't know what age, a teenager, I don't know what it is yet. Let her make that decision. You know, it's tough because it's really difficult to control, especially, you know, when you're out and not that people are just going to bombard you with pictures or, or any of us at this point. But like you can just happen to be with family in your specific case. And I, that happens to us all the time. And I kind of do feel a way, but I'm also like not, I'm trying not to ruin the moment. Right. Because at the end of the day, these people are doing it out of love and trying to capture these moments. Right. But at yeah. the same time, yeah. I mean, I've like, had that happen. I'll be like walking down a street in New York and someone runs up and they're like, Paloma. And we're all kind of like, who are oh. you? And then 
then per- this just happened like a couple, a couple weeks ago and she was like oh i follow your dad and like i she didn't even say my name you know and it was <laughs> wow. like it was very kind of jarring it was very yeah. it was very awkward you know and like she was very sweet but i was just like damn like and that person whoever called my daughter's name out she must she must have remembered the name from like six months ago because i hadn't i hadn't post i maybe i had talked about paloma but i haven't shown her yeah it was it was odd you know and i can only imagine what it's like if you're fucking jay-z you know it <laughs> yeah no really, it's crazy really it's hard. insane and one thing like i try to tell my girl because my girl's a little different when it comes to social media and posting and her 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 stance is that because she moved from la to miami and she's like look you know i'm trying to share you know things over here with with people over there which i understand and and we're 10 years apart in age so so we approach social media differently and and just generationally um where i'm more about work wise using it and kind of understanding it from that standpoint and she's using it more on a personal tip but what i try to explain to her being that i come from the world of entertainment and do music and stuff like that that it only takes one weird psychopathic person to do something or to or Mm -hmm. to or to hone in on a picture and recognize someone and 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 it doesn't mean that we think we're special or anybody thinks we're it just when you put stuff out in that kind of frequency, you're yeah. eventually something is bound to happen or someone's bound yeah, to recognize. Yeah, it's true. And it's that's true. and you know, I I, I, for, uh, I was in grad school and one of my professors had a kid, uh he was a couple years older than my kid and, and he told me one day that he had his son's complete digital trust and I was like, What's that? And, and and we did the same thing for our kids where we got, you know, on Instagram, Twitter, and we have like four or five different accounts for each of our kids. And they're just sitting there and they're just ready. And it's, and it's like you get that so that no other asshole goes and gets makes up Instagram and it's full of. I don't know, kid porn or whatever it might be. Right. Right. So like, like there's like a way that we can like start to protect our kids digital futures today by just owning those URLs and owning all of those handles, you know, to protect them. And again, they're there when they're, they're there when they're ready for them. Yeah. Like, I guess it's a thing, you know, getting that whole digital trust for your kid and just having it ready, even though I'm not going to give her any of this stuff for a long time, but we'll have it. You know? well, let me ask you a question, though. So what would what would you recommend would be the right way to go about that? Uh, saving the full name, saving variations of the name, the initials like I wouldn't know. Yeah, I, would want I mean, we just went for the variation. most basic. I think right. we bought new some of these on dot com. Like, I believe we're paying for a GoDaddy URL. We, we bought like and then we just got the, the free things like the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram just the first two names. And I think we did that with our second daughter as well, just first and last. So, I mean, yeah, you could probably go down the rabbit hole of variations, but we right. just wanted to get like some of the basic ones because we figure these platforms will most likely be around. Who knows though, if they will be, you just really right. never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's how we did it. And it feels good. And also we ended up like using the, um, like we've been emailing, uh, Actually, shit, I just gave up my kid's email address. Um, maybe we could edit that a little bit. Yeah, what? Yeah, maybe just, I don't know. Uh, or maybe I should say, oh, yeah, uh, I was going like, to make, make up a fake email. But anyway, um, who knows who's going to listen. But we've been emailing Loma for years as like a baby book thing. Because like, oh. we realized we could never just have a physical baby book. 
And so instead we've been sending emails to her Gmail account for years now with like first, you know, like you rode your bike today or we did all this stuff today. And like, so one day she's going to open it up and there'll be like 500 emails from like her first 15 years of life, you know, or something like that. That's That's real fucking cool. Yeah. It's my wife's idea. And it's been like, it's been really useful. Because we've even emailed like, oh, my God, I fucking hated you today. I was going to call you a little piece of shit, and then I had to stop. But like, oh, you were driving me insane. Like, I've really been really candid in some of my emails, you yeah. know, because it's like I could get it out, you know. And then I don't have to tell the two-year-old, you know, which is a good, usually a good thing if you're feeling like you want to ring it's your It's like a time neck. capsule of how you uh, – it, it totally will be. As long as Gmail as – and Google for sure will be around. So as long as it's there, it's there, and it will be a time capsule. We've already – we post, we looked at it one time just to like – see where we were at a few years in and it was like kind of a lot it was like a hundred emails we're like oh wow like we're really doing wow Wow. so yeah it's it's a pretty cool thing how often do you get uh frustrated with your with your kids (laughs) right now (laughs) five-year-olds i mean it's like (laughs) it's pretty wild although i mean every age every age has had maddening moments yeah you know we're in a little bit of one now where like she's our five-year-old is constantly um, sort of comparing what she has to what others have, like just minor, like real minor. Like she'll just be like with one of her friends who has on a unicorn dress and Paloma's wearing a flower dress. And we're talking about how we like the unicorn dress on the friend. And then Paloma just has to like dump on that dress to talk about how great her dress is. And we're uh, kind of like, Oh God, like this constant comparison thing, which is very normal in five-year-olds, but it's, it's maddening for us yeah. to deal with every day. Continues you know? on to seven-year-olds as well. <laughs> so, oh my yeah. god, that's yeah. bad. It all continues on, I'm sure. Yeah, you know. So how do you how do you deal with that? Like, how do you try? Because you want to try to steer them away from doing that, right? I mean, that that's the, I guess, the optimal approach. But what what are you actually doing in that moment to, for lack of a better term, like parent the situation? Oh. Me, like when the kid is being annoying? Yeah, like, well, in particular, like dumping on the next person, like the unicorn dress. Yeah, example. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like with the other day with that exact thing, like I saw the other kid start to kind of wither, like kind of shrink a little bit. So I pumped her up by going back at how great the the unicorn was. But at, like right at the same time, I complimented my kid's dress as well, you know, uh, and basically tried to say they're both awesome dresses. Right. You know, I mean, like, we just have to use, like, constant positivity with our five-year-old. Otherwise, it just turns into, she'll become a little skunk, and then she'll get skunky with the other kids, and then it's all bad, you know? How, how annoying is that, though? Because, like, you, you're not always super positive. None of us are, but we have to play that role. No. <laughs> so how often are you like, fuck, why do I have to do this shit again? Yeah, every day, every day. I, I say that in my head, although right. I, I'm getting better every year at not showing it, you know? And I think that um, so much of parenting is like acting, you know? Yeah. You just have to be like a real good actor in front of the kid because it just doesn't do any good to like blow up with the kid and it doesn't do any good to, to you know... Uh, I mean, we people discipline in different ways. You know, we have like consequences in our house for things like, you know, yeah, uh, same here. recently we had to like have our kid. I gave her like the classic, like write down. I will not pick up Talia 10 times because she kept picking up the little baby 
and like carrying her across the room and setting her down to get her away from what she was doing, you know? And we just, we made a rule. We're like, Hey, no more picking up the kid. She's a year and a half old. You can't just pick her up like a toy, you know? And then she did it again. And we made her like write out the sentences, you know? And like, it was really effective. It was super, super effective. And she hasn't picked her up since. She, um, she, she didn't like that. She, she wasn't feeling the whole writing the thing down. You know what? My kid loves reading and writing. So I think actually a part of her did kind of like it, but it was a lot to write that sentence 10 times for a five-year-old was a lot. It took her an hour and a half of, and we had to sit there. I had to sit with her the whole time, you know, so it wasn't easy for anybody. But um, I think, you know, we we try to get as creative as possible. That wasn't a very creative solution to the thing, but it was just kind of like, look, you broke a rule. Here's the consequence today. And that's going to, you're going to write it 10 times, you know, but we, we, I think my wife and I are both pretty creative parents and we, we try to use that, you know, when we're parenting. I love it. I w- it's hard to be in like in the heat of the moment to come out of that and not react with some, you know, yeah. crazy shit. Like, cause that's what you're doing is a lot more constructive than what generally would come out of people. So it's how do you, well, and we I, we have raised our voices a lot, and we've been ugly a lot. So it's not yeah. like we're angels over here. But that's our that's at our best. Right. We'll think of some creative solution, and it often means we're doing something creative together to get past it. But that's at our best, and we're not always at our best. But we try, you know, we try. Let, let me ask you guys something. So right now, with my daughter, and again, she's a little over a year and a half. She's going through this phase where. When when I give her something, if she's like not getting what she wants out of something, like usually it's food. She she's hangry all the time. So if I give her like a like her like a bottle with water for her to drink, I'm like here. She just throws it on the floor, and that could be different things. Like if she's not happy about whatever she's not getting, she just slams it on the floor. And I'm trying to figure out like how the hell do I discipline this you know year and a half year old girl like today she did it and she's violent about it like like i'm like damn what evil spirit came into you right now and so today i'm like like i try to say no and i heard i I don't know i saw something remember the we went over the buddhist thing guys it says you're not supposed to say no to kids i'm like no no and then i what i did today that i haven't done before is i just Looked at her in the eyes, like I want her to know that I'm pissed right now. And I looked at her, and she just stared me down, like it wasn't shit. <laughs> she didn't blink, she didn't look away, and then she laughed. She giggled. I'm like, oh hell no, I'm not getting through. So, do you guys have any any recommendations here for this? I, or is this just I, terrible I too? One, and I have one actually. Um, I recommend that you break down and cry, so you'll <laughs> for- have to act. You don't really? have to act, but like the moment she throws it down, like stare at the bottle on the ground, like super surprised, then stare at her. And then you have to start crying. We tried this recently. <laughs> and like, if you just pretend that you are now so upset, like that she just threw your other baby on the ground and killed it, that bottle or whatever it is, <laughs> it will throw the child off so much. They'll be so concerned with why you're crying that they'll probably never do it again, or they may, they'll they'll think about it before they do it again. We did this recently. Uh, oh, I think our baby was grabbing our plants. We have some new plants in the house, and they're beautiful, and we don't want the kids fucking with them. And Talia kept grabbing one, and then my wife pretended to have a just a weeping meltdown. It totally worked. It com- like the child was so concerned 
about mommy and why she was crying. And she realized it was connected to the plant touching that she's almost never touched it again. But it has to be convincing. It has to be because I've tried the the fake crying and my daughter actually laughs at me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you gotta gotta get your acting chops on. It has to be good. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta get your acting on. Maybe or maybe cover your face and just like really make it serious crying. I don't know, but uh, it's worked for us. You got to get yourself some Visine. Matter of fact, Visine sponsored this. Full dramatic on her right now. Next time. (laughs) Yeah, but if you think about it, like the psychology behind that makes a lot of sense because what that's probably the closest thing that a child that age can relate to as far as not feeling well, right? When, sure. So mm-hmm. it makes total sense. You screw facing the kid probably is like a joke to them because they're like, well, right. but does it? Because mm-hmm. I feel that my daughter has just recently started to fake cry, even wow. with tears. Oh wow! You're so fucked. I'm like, holy shit! Now like the Joker. it's a rap kid you know so i'm thinking if she's fake crying with tears and the reason why i know it's fake is because i can tell the way that she's making the sound but she's actually tearing and then in a heartbeat when she gets whatever she wants or whatever she's not she's laughing smiling it's it's over 1.5 seconds so i'm just thinking she she must have no respect (laughs) for me crying if she's fake crying she's like ah whatever dad you're over it you know my my baby she sounds sharp yeah, <laughs> my baby does the same exact thing. Like full out tears. As soon as she goes, she wants. She literally she'll wipe her tears. She'll yep. smile at you, and then she'll go do whatever the fuck she was gonna do. <laughs> Fucking little, <Yeah>. beautiful children. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Hey Adam, um, switching gears real quick. Um, getting into R for a second. What um, when did you get into graffiti? When did you start doing graffiti? Um, like officially 92, but like, I was like, uh, you know, hip hop, like hit the Bay area in the mid eighties. And, um, you know, if I wanted in, like when I saw, I saw something like break in or I think it was break in in like 84. 84. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And so I wanted, and so I was like doing bubbles probably from 85 on, but I didn't do, I didn't know what, I didn't know the rules of the game or, and I, and I hadn't gone out and done illegal graffiti till 92. Um, so yeah. Was, was your, so I know you said you grew up in a single parent household. Was your mom hip to what you were getting into? Did she have any idea that you were, yeah, did you know about she, anything like that? She did. My Okay. So I think like, like I had, I had done a bunch of tags in the garage in the late eighties and like, and we, you know, we were like, I break danced and like, I tried to rap. I, I was like this little hip hop kid in like Sunnyvale, California. And, so, and I was like, I stood out like a sore thumb, like in a lot of ways. And so she was seeing all that. Um, but I don't think that she thought that there was going to be any like, you know, illegal shenanigans um until it was happening you know like i was uh i I think i I guess i was a sophomore in high school when i first started and then it was really my junior year that i was like actively doing illegal graffiti and i think i probably got arrested the first time i know i was still living with her so it might have been the summer between junior and senior year i got like bad i was like painting in a storm drain in palo alto california like right near stanford university and got got grabbed by these cops and got arrested and and so yeah she knew she knew like once that was really happening 
you know, although she'd probably been seeing me like filling up books in 91, 92. But yeah, when I first got arrested, that's when she knew I was like, I was that kid. <laughs> now, was she trying to deter you from con- continuing on with that? Or did she push you, you know, to do something I, else? Or I'm, let me th- I'm trying to think back on, I think that she, you know, I was, I did a lot of theater as a kid. And so I think she was, and I was studying when in high school, I went to high school in San Francisco, but I lived in the Silicon Valley. So I took a train up to school every day and I was studying at an arts high school up there in San Francisco, studying theater. So I think she was probably just like encouraging me to like focus on like my theater studies, but like she knew that I was like way in, I'd always been into drawing my whole life. And so she knew that I wasn't going to stop making stuff with my hands. She probably hoped that I would like transition away from it. But yeah, you know, that didn't happen. And she told me years later that like after high school, she would like lose a lot of sleep when I first moved out on my own. And she knew I was out bombing streets at night. Like she really, you know, she lost a lot of sleep apparently. So my poor ma. (laughs) <laughs> at so what you, point did go ahead man, I'm sorry, sorry no I, so I'm, I'm just thinking about like that era and just you know the the South Bay where you used to live you you're not bombing like Caltrains and and the depots where the, you were well no not the trains not we the were trains. bombing the walls yeah, we yeah, were okay. bombing Caltrain walls and like really what I was doing from high school on is I was I wanted to be painting in San Francisco so I didn't do a whole lot of stuff in the South Bay okay um I would like once I got off the train in downtown San Francisco, it was on, you know, and so I was trying to do most of my graffiti in the city. Like in the, um, in the tenderloin, it was, ha- it was happening down there too. You, you was down in the tenderloin, tagging up everywhere. I lived in the tenderloin. I lived in a like, in a crappy hotel for like a, <laughs> a month in the tenderloin. Like I was like Yo. struggling. I was either going to sleep in the park in, in Golden Gate Park, which I did for many, many nights, or I was going to stay in this like nasty, probably forty dollar a night room in the TL. Um, but yeah, I you know I lived in the Mission for many years, um, but I and I did everything I could to go all city. So I bombed every every neighborhood in San Francisco in the nineties. I, I really went for it. Wow. Were you in a crew? Many. I was in BA. I was in KCW, which is actually a New York crew that was in New York, uh, that was in San Francisco. Um, I started my own crew called Wow Crew that had a couple of really kind of influential guys in it. Um, RF, which is a crew I'm in from LA still. But yeah, I've been in a lot of crews. And were you like catching beef also? Like, like in the movies? Got a lot of beef. I mean, like, I, you know, I was just, you know, I was a knucklehead. I was a young, I was unbreakable, you know? And like, and I was going out, I was out seven nights a week for years. And so when you get up every single night, like you're eventually going to start going over people and, you know, bumping into the wrong people. people. So I had a ton, ton of beef and, um, with guys from San Francisco, with guys from LA, like I had beef from all over. And it's one of the reasons that I moved to New York and kind of stopped writing for many years was there was just too much drama. It was like either homies were ODing or being shot up and killed, or I was just having to, you know, box people every weekend at a bar because I just couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody that had some kind of static. Um, so yeah, I really, um, I was seeing the writing on the wall in many ways about that, you know, like, especially with homies that were like, ODing within the culture because once drugs really hit the graffiti culture, it really, uh, I mean, and some people will say there was always drugs. 
But I know like in the Bay, like heroin wasn't a thing until like the late 90s. Like it wasn't, no one was shooting heroin in the mid 90s. Not that I knew anyway. Yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden heroin became a big part of the culture and just started swallowing up a lot of dudes, a lot of guys and girls. Shit. Wow. When did, so when, what, go, go ahead, go ahead. I think you're going to No, I was just going to say, so, so when you're in, in this mode and you're in, you know, full fledged kind of illegal graffiti mode, did you have any aspirations to have a family or was that something that you were like, nah, this is that, that that's totally way off. It's interesting. I mean, I think, um, to be honest, I didn't think I would live long enough to have a family. I think, you know, like my father died when I was a kid and like, I just thought I had seen a whole lot of death, like my whole life. It, it continues today. It feels like death has always been a constant in my life. Um, and like, you know, I started losing literally like two or three homies a year were dying in the nineties. And like, it was from there, everything, you know, like getting shot randomly, car accidents, drug overdoses, you know, what ill cancer and, you know, illnesses and things like that. So I just kept losing homies. So I remember in my twenties, not really, in fact, it's funny because I remember thinking about 2020. And that the fact that I would turn 44 in the year 2020, and I remember thinking that that was almost like impossible. Like I just, I couldn't foresee it because I had not seen it. I hadn't seen men in my life. I mean, yeah, I had like my grandfather and stuff, you know, but I didn't have a man in the home that was alive. So I, and I, so it just seemed natural to me that young men just died early or just died at 40, which I didn't think was early. You know what I mean? When I was 18, I thought that was old. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I've thought much about family, although I've always loved kids and I always thought that I would probably be a good dad, you know, but then I remember in like my twenties and even thirties thinking, Oh man, I don't know if I'll ever find, you know, like the right woman that I would want to be with forever, you know? Um, so, so to your question, no, I don't think I really, I don't think I could foresee it, you know? So you you and I were talking uh, maybe a couple months ago, and um, we we're talking about traveling and and you know you're 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 out moving around quite a bit doing all kinds of different jobs and working for different folks. Um, we talked about being away from home, and you mentioned something about when you travel, maximizing your time and getting it done as quickly as possible. So basically, so you can hurry up to get home to your kids. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Well, I mean, one thing I can say about that is like, I, like I mentioned that I was in grad school when I had my first baby and like, I was in a really, really rigorous product design MFA program. And, and the amount of work we did in those two years, was insane. I mean, it was like at least three years of work packed into two. And so I learned in grad school how to project manage six or seven projects for school, plus being home for dinner and being able to do whatever, you know, take my kid to a a doctor's appointment or whatever it was. And so like, I learned how to manage my time really well at the beginning of having my baby, the first baby. Um, And then it was like, you know, the whole neon thing happened. And, you know, I'd been people liked my graffiti before, but they didn't really care about it because it wasn't maybe terribly original. Um, but then the neon thing was like, apparently people thought it to be much more original. Um, and so then I was like, cool, I want to do a lot more of this neon stuff, but I wanted to get home. Like I, I had just done two years of grad school. And in a lot of ways, I missed a lot of my daughter's first two years. 
So then I was like, cool. Yes. I want to make my art for sure. I want to be out doing my thing, but I also wanted to get home. So then I kind of like learned how to do the neon like real fast because I was trying to get home. And so then it's just been kind of a cool thing that now like I've gotten it down to where I can pump it out really fast at like a really high level of like mm, um, resolution. And, and then I still have half a day left, you know, whereas I used to spend like all day painting a wall, a graffiti style mural um, because I didn't have a kid to go home to. So it was different, you know, but now it's like, yeah, now I think a lot about like, well, how much time am I going to spend here versus how much time am I going to spend at home? And, you know, home is really valuable all that time with, with, the, with these little ones. It's like, it's, it's going to go fast, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like I have plenty of time to do big, long, long drawn out murals later. And, and right now I'm happy to do the way that I'm doing my work. You, you talked about mortality um, earlier, right? Did, did that perspective change after you had children? Like up until having them, you were like 40 was, <laughs> almost impossible in your mind right and now you just yeah. saying you have so much time after they're older it sounds like you're even thinking you know you're thinking beyond what you believe to be old age now is that accurate yeah you know and that and that actually kind of started i would say yes i do think that way and that started when i got married actually so when i married my wife so several years before we had the babies that was the first time that i was like oh I was like, like we had conversations of what's our five, 10, 20, 30, you know, 40 year plan. Like I had never thought in my life I would even live to 80 when I met my wife. And then we were like, well, what would we want? We, we dreamt, you know, we're like, what would we do at 75, you know? And so that was really cool. Like as an exercise, cause I had never done that. Um, and my wife is like real smart and has her shit together. And so I was like, cool, you know, like she knows how to plan shit. You know, and at the time I didn't really, I, I didn't really know how to plan. Um, now I'm really happy to say I do, but yeah, that was like a big part of like, um, uh, that, that should, that transition happened just from marriage. Cause that was, like I said, that was the first time I was like, oh wow. Commitment like this is, it's the same as child for me. It's like, it's forever, you know? So then like knowing that my wife and I had those, that kind of thinking and that planning, it made it a lot easier to think, okay, yeah, next step children that we have to be healthy for till we're, you know, till our kids are old, you know, we have to be around, we have to be around for whatever. We don't want to miss moments and we need to support them and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it, my, my, my opinions on mortality totally changed. How did you, and then going back for a second, how did you transition from being in San Fran and going all city and bombing all over the place to grad school? What, what clicked there? lot that's a big transition in between but like i moved to new york like i said to get away from all of it and i and that was in 2001 and so um and then i think i just because out of like pure muscle memory i was still tagging everywhere i was going in 2001 like when i came to new york but i i really didn't want to be doing that as much so i stopped i stopped doing graffiti in 2002 and i didn't paint again until I met my wife in 2007, actually. She was the one that was like, oh, you should, you do graffiti. I was like, yeah. She's like, you should do it more. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. So I started again. Um, and so, but there was a lot of stuff in between that. Like I went to drama school and I worked as an actor for many years. And then uh, I had to finish a bachelor's degree just to get to grad school. And like my wife found this um, 
Uh, there's we have a state university program out here, SUNY, and there like there's SUNY Buffalo and New Paltz and all these different SUNYs. And there's one in Manhattan called Empire State. And SUNY Empire State, they took all my credits from all over the place and mashed them all into one bachelor's degree. And I had like three more semesters I had to do there to finish the degree. So I kind of did that in like a shotgun kind of way um, and applied to grad schools like immediately after. And I think it's because I was looking, I wanted to work as a designer, but I had no formal design training and I didn't really know what to do. You know, I knew I didn't want to be acting anymore because that was going to like take me away from New York and take me away from my wife. And so I was like, well, what can I do here? And then, yeah, design was just the thing. And, um, and my wife also kind of found my grad program. She, she was really like, I don't know, academics came more naturally to her. So she was really a great guide in helping me find my way. So let's go. Um, I have a question because you're also a fellow podcaster. Um, you have a podcast called yeah. my, my life in letters. Yeah. You're on your third, that's it, that's it. third season. Is that right? Fourth now. Yeah. Shit. I'm actually doing my, we're, we're doing another, a new interview tomorrow for now the fourth season, 2020. So, so how did, how did you stumble into podcasting? Cause, um, yeah, I guess it may or may not be an easy transition or, or addition to, to the art you create. Like what was the impetus for oh, you to man. get in there? It, yeah, and there's, there's nothing easy about it. You guys would know, right? Yeah. It's like such a labor of love, and it's really it's hard. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I was working. Uh, so when I graduated from grad school, I got a killer job at a company called IDO.org. And when I was working for IDO, mm, I did a project in South Africa in Cape Town. And two of the people I was working with on that project, uh, one of the guys' name is John Collery. I want to say his name. He's a really great guy, killer designer, amazing guy. And I was telling him just like these stories about my life in graffiti. And then I was telling him like how there's very few, there's very little documentation on the form. Actually, there's a lot of pictures and there's movies, you know, and, um, you know, now we have a museum in Miami and there's like little things, you know, but there isn't a great uh, capturing of oral stories. There's just not, you know, there's, there's, there's many interviews out there from many different people, but there wasn't like one place to go where they were all there, you know? And so I, I was saying, oh yeah, maybe I'll make, um, I might make it a book. And John Collery uh, was like, well, why don't you do an interview? And I, it could be a book, but he was like, it could also be, you know, a podcast. And so then I, that was sort of like, I hadn't really thought about, I didn't know much about podcasting in 2000. Uh, what was that? 15. Um, so, and you know, I've been toying with the idea of interviewing people for so many years that just one day I said, you know what, okay, I'm just going to do this thing. I have a Zoom recorder. I have an iTunes account, I, I, you know, and like we just made, I just made an episode and it was like, I interviewed this guy Zmad from the Bronx, um, a guy that I had been, I had met, you know, in Brooklyn, you know, kind of a, He's a, I think he's like a third generation writer, but he started in the early eighties, you know, so he'd been really painting a long time. Um, and yeah, we just put it out there and it's horrible quality, you know, like the audio is just so bad, but it doesn't even matter because the, I, in my opinion, the content is so good that it makes up for the bad audio. Also, it's like, you know, first episode, it's super scrappy, you know? 
Um, but it, it's, it's been real hard, you know, it's just yeah. like, it's so much work. And so I'm like, our first season, we did 52 episodes in 52 weeks. And like, you know, that's like to do that by yourself while you're trying to make money and do a whole bunch of other things. I mean, it's like, it's damn near impossible, you know? Um, but I pulled it off and, and then second season, I couldn't deliver half of that. And so yeah. many people were like, Hey, why not? Why don't we get an episode every Sunday? Like, what's up? <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, you have no fucking clue how hard this is, especially when it was like me doing it all, me finding the artist, doing the email, the admin to set up the interviews. I would do the recordings. I had a guy who helped produce, but it was like pretty minor, you know? Yeah. So it was just like a shit ton of work every week, you know? Shit. Preach. We, yeah. we know. Yeah, you guys know. Exactly. <laughs> just gave me PTSD of what we do. <laughs> so, you guys so, are lucky you have three. Oh, yeah. man. You're really lucky. So if you guys are listening intently for to what Mr. Fu is talking about, this is the perfect time for you to head over to fatherhoodspod.com slash merch and go copy yourself a little something so you can help us as oh, we coordinate yeah. and make shit happen over here because shit is nuts. And check out his, what's, what, where can people find your podcast? My Life and Letters. I mean, you know, we're on pod, we're on um, um, iTunes and Stitcher and, you know, we're all over the place. Anywhere you Google. Actually, there's like George W. Bush. No, George Bush Sr. wrote a book called My Life and Letters. Um, but the only other result for that, I thought you were about to say that was one of your tests. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, not yet. That's not next yet. week. Next week. Um, I would have them on though, but yeah, so th- that's it. You just, you Google my life in letters, you'll find it. And, and your website is adamkfujita.com, correct? Yeah. Adamkfujita.com and at Adam Fu on Instagram. Yeah. Right. Now, before, before we get out of here, my last question for you is, so when you are in, full-blown ready-to-bomb mode like even if you're not illegally bombing at this point but you know you're about to go do something uh intense what are you listening to oh wow you mean like music yep or just anything music damn because it's really it's really pathetic how many political podcasts i actually (laughs) like oh dude it's like so not like sexy or fun or cool at all but i'm like oh i haven't like heard what's happening in Iran at all today. So I will like listen to that. Um, but okay. Uh, so if I'm not listening to like pod save America, which is one of my favorite podcasts, um, probably like EDM, you know, like some, some like really upbeat dance music, you know, um, little dragon, like things, you know, things that are just like kind of vibe that'll just keep me going, you know? And then always my, 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 my fallback, my default is always nineties hip hop. You know, like that's that's like kind of a standard. I think we all have that in common here. Yeah. Yeah. We should clap it up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, all right, all right. Enough, enough. <laughs> if you play any music, vibes and stuff, like Trap Call Quest, the other day, like on January 1st, I don't know how that was the first song I heard the morning of January 1st, vibes and stuff from... Uh, is it Midnight Marauders? But yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe that's my song of the decade right here. I'm going to go back to to 91 whenever that album came out and play vibes and stuff. So if you guys ever put custom music in, slip that in there. And, and do your do your kids or at least your your she's five, right? The oldest. Yeah. Paloma the oldest. Five. Does she have does she gravitate at all towards your artwork or being in the studio with you? She, 
dude, she loves my studio and she loves, she does really, really love my workshop. Although the other day, like I came home and like, you know, at dinner, we always talk about like the highs and lows of our day. And like before <laughs> my wife was like, how about you? Uh, what was the highs and lows? And before I could say anything, my daughter went, paint, 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, damn. Wow. I could not believe. I mean, we laughed out loud, but I was like, Wow, fucking rude. Yeah, that's that's um, that's a t-shirt if you haven't created one yet. That's that's perfect. Yeah, you know what? God damn, you're right. But yeah, it could be a song nowadays. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a song. Paint, 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 blah, blah, How about blah. that's the uh, <laughs> Fatherhood's Adam Fu collaborative uh, t-shirt, limited edition. <laughs> Boom. There you go. That would be sick. I'm down. I'll design it. I'll design you guys a shirt for the store for sure. Yeah. But normally she loves my work. Thank God. No, nah, it's pretty slick. I mean, if, if you guys haven't been, yo, check out his website. Phenomenal stuff up here on uh, AdamKFujita.com. Appreciate it. Especially, I, I like this, uh, <laughs> the Castro campaign uh, store you got here. Oh, the Adios Trump shirt that I did for Julian? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude. I was hyped off that. So you actually, you actually made it for him? It's not just playing off of... No, no, I made it for their campaign. They, the campaign hit me up and, um, oh. yeah, yeah, did a couple, you know, it was sad that he just dropped out, but yeah, the, yeah. actually the shirts will still be for sale on his store forever. Wow. So yeah, those are always there. That's pretty dope. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I'm waiting for Elizabeth Warren to hit me up. That's my girl. Well, we, so we, she's listening. Hit me up. Trying to get her on drink champs. <laughs> there you go. She, she's a big fan of the fatherhood. So, uh, I'll tweet her for <laughs> I you. Bet, I bet yeah. she is. We'll make it happen. All right, fellas. Well, Adam, we're gonna wind it down, man. Appreciate you for joining us. Hell yeah, yeah. Man, thank good you. time. Thank you. All right, brother. Peace. All right, later, fellas. Peace. <laughs>